Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Now arriving on Cultaholic Island with NWA sowing around the corner. Uh, the most violent pay-per-view in NWA history at the top what? of the card. That's what I've been told! Oh, no. <laughs> and, and I'm worried for you then because you're at the top of it. My guest is the reigning NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, the Overman EC three is here and if you are watching on patreon there is sweet charlotte there is 10 pounds of gold it's, it's actually 10 pounds and two ounces i weighed it oh um, yeah like i think being on patreon makes if you're listening to this and you're not on their patreon like what are you doing you got to support the independent creators you got to get up on there and plus you get video evidence of my handsome mug talking <laughs> some talking some junk with our boys from cultaholic so thanks for having me this is a very cozy island. It reminds me of my office at home. <laughs> it looks very much like your office. It's weird how everyone says it looks like EC3's office. Yes, Did I have you... a CD collection. It's weird, right? I was. Do you know what? I was going to ask about the CD collection. They're oh, my man. father's. Nice. What sort of music does your dad listen to? My dad, dude, he's got an eclectic taste. Like, all right, we can look at a couple. Average white band, Artful Dodger, you know. Artful Dodger. Bob Dylan, he hates Bob Dylan. I have no idea why that's <laughs> Rascals, Sinatra. He's he's got a good musical taste. Nah, he and I like the, the, the Yeah, he hates Bob Dylan. Uh he hates Pink Floyd and he hates Led Zeppelin. So I, I as I grew up, I never like got into them. And then I listened to him now and I can't stand him. And Led Zeppelin, kind of like one of the most unique and talented bands of all time, but I just can't listen to him because my father corrupted me. I love that your dad goes, don't like Pink Floyd, don't like Led Zeppelin, but there's an Artful Dodger album in the collection. That's fantastic. What a dad. Your dad likes British Garage. It's brilliant. You see uh, too, man. He's, yeah. Over your shoulder is uh, Sweet Charlotte, uh, £10 and some change of gold, uh, the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. Does it feel good still hearing yourself announced as that? Yeah, like, <clears throat> I don't know, the significance of the victory and what this means and everything that's happened before, like it didn't really hit me until I won. And if you watch the match back, one of my favorite of all time was one of the greatest matches in NBA history. Why? Cause I beat Tyrus. That's why <laughs> theory, like you could see it kind of like it settled in at a moment. I'm like, 
everything started hitting me. I'm like, whoa, this is actually quite a big deal. And I think where we are with a company, the precipice of NWA and where we want to go, where I want to go, like to be the flag bearer for the future, to take it to the next level, to step into this new era, this over era, I like to call it. Yeah, it's a hefty weight on my shoulder and it's more than 10 pounds and two ounces. It's, it's you know, the future of the business. And we're going to talk all about it as we go through our time today. But also, whilst we are on this metaphorical uh, EC3 office-shaped desert island, uh, I'm going to ask you to choose three wrestling matches that you will watch while you're there. Uh, matches with some significance of the past, uh, some classics that maybe you lean to on the odd occasion. And we'll do it one by one by one. So we'll go through the through our chat today. What would you like your first one to be, though, EC3? Yeah, this is interesting. So I was kind of queued up on the questions, but I started reading them. But I really like to kind of go with intuition and off the gut. So I'm like, I, you know, I don't really want to know what the questions That's fine, because all the questions have changed since you read them. <laughs> I'm like, wrestling. Yeah, but like, wrestling's weird. If you plan things, everybody plans things or get in their head. No one plans anything in wrestling. It never actually happens the way you think. So it's just better to not know, and it's just better to go out there and do it. But having said that, three matches. Before we jumped on, you mentioned that talents, wrestlers, like to pick their own matches. Mm-hmm. That's demented narcissism. Like, <laughs> I personally never. Ew, no. I've had some good ones. I've I've had five star matches. I've had four point five star matches. I don't give a shit about somebody's rankings either. I've had matches that meant a lot to me, but watching them back, I mean, it's hard because you're just critical of yourself, and that's something I have to get over. But having said that, match number one. WrestleMania 17, Rock and Stone Cold. Nice. So uh, where would you have been as a wrestling fan and as a, as a young EC3 when you saw this for the first time? Probably in that living room over there. Right. So, yeah. No, I remember having, I had a WrestleMania party. I, mean, I think I'm in high school at the time. I had a WrestleMania party. I remember during the party, I had no interest in watching China and Ivory's match. I don't know why. So while that was going on, me and two of my buddies left to go trash pick for our backyard wrestling fed. Then we made it back. But like WrestleMania 17 as a pay-per-view, man, was the culmination of so much. There were so many, like, it's it's the greatest show ever. You know, from the opening match where you had Jericho and Regal, you had, the, you know, the TLC match, you had the Benoit Angle Matt match, you know, you had Taker and Trips. At the top of that card, you had two, never in the business has there been two, number one guys going at it you know what i mean and when i watched that match back you know a lot of people that are internet wrestling fans or something delegate like move sets and spots and things like that but i swear watch that match when you have kind of more of a trained eye the intensity those two are working with the stamina the conditioning the adrenaline they're feeling like it's a culmination of so much where two guys who had great matches were probably great working with each other, but probably not best friends who competitively challenge each other to be better. You know what I mean? Like that was incredible. And the thing about that match is one of my favorites, maybe my favorite, and it has the worst finish of all time. <laughs> like it that sucks. 
It's a, it's, a, it's a debated finish with, you know, with the heel turn in Texas of Steve Austin. And, you know, you've heard we've heard conversations of Austin saying he came like a cat's whisker to call in an audible and just dropping Vince with a stunner. Would that have changed things, you think, if he'd actually gone through with it and, and followed his gut? I think, uh, yeah, a little bit, but also... For so long, he's been doing what he's been doing at the absolute best. And I know as a talent, like you want to challenge yourself and you want to be different sometimes. And maybe you overthink it. Like it's very easy for EC3 to have gone, I'll just go be the top 1% again. Like, no, because I've done that. So even if you're at the top and you're killing it, you know, a guy like that wants to challenge himself. So I think that's what inspired the heel turn and why he went through with it. If he called the audible, Maybe it would have changed things, but at the same time, I think that finish works just as good if Vince was never involved. And the whole story they told, too, with like the most amazing, you know, hype package ever and the promo with Jim Ross beforehand where Stone Cold is saying, I have to do this. I have to beat you. Like, that would have worked and been, I mean, pristine art told. So hindsight being 2020, you can't go back to the past, but, you know. That's one of my favorite matches. Uh, you mentioned there that uh, when you were bet- during the China and Ivory match, you were sorting out the garden for your backyard wrestling federation. I need to pull on that thread. I need to find out. Uh, so we've, we, we've got the overman EC3 right now. Uh, as you say, the top 1%. Tell us who was, who was EC3, the backyard wrestler. We've got it. We've got to get the gimmick. We've got to get the persona. The, <clears throat> you can do it. The deviant. Okay. I'll tell you about how it was built. Um, remember N- NWO, WCW Revenge? Mm-hmm. Certainly do, sir. Yeah, you can kind of like change the names of guys. And so Aki Man was in that, right? Mm-hmm. And he was unbeatable. Aki Man, what? And he had this mounted punch finish that you can never get out of it, just made no sense. So we're dumb, you know, high school kids with potty mouths and, you know, dirty senses of humor. So we're changing a bunch of names in it. And then I, I made Aki Man the sexual deviant. <laughs> so from there, we started back. <laughs> and like when I first showed up to the back here, like, what are you going to be? And I'm like, well, I'm going to be the sexual deviant. I pulled out like a stupid mask and this like pink shirt. And I had like, because I was inspired by Aki Man, I created. And then we ended up taking it way too seriously and progressing our backyard fed and now we're getting fans in there and things like that. And we're like, we're booking and we're like, we think we know what we're talking about. It's like having an e-fed and then think you can run a billion dollar company. And you know, you, you can't like, this is not real practice, but we thought it was. And uh, as it progressed, like, well, I, you know, I'm the one guy that works out. I'm the one guy who's an athlete. I'm the one guy who's in shape. I kind of got to be a top guy, top heel. So I evolved into the deviant. So I lost the sexual part and then I took off the mask and then I just had gym shorts and no shirt on. <laughs> and am I right in thinking that the deviant was your, you, that was a character that went beyond the backyard because when you started going pro, you took the deviant with you. Did Yeah. By then, then I had, you know, just plain black trunks and black boots. And I thought I was, you know, a hybrid of triple H, Chris Benoit, Kurt Angle and <laughs> like, no, nah, but yeah, like, what are you going to be? Well, I mean, Michael Hunter is like, whatever. Let's be the deviant. That sucks. It's Indian. Who cares? It's the independence. Like, there's four people at this bar. I'm, I'm I'm debuting in a parking lot where they're playing my entrance music. 
out of a car stereo, like I'll be the deviant and I'll figure it out. Uh, you grew up in Ohio, and whenever people mention wrestling in Ohio in the same breath, uh, obviously it's it's Louisville, it's uh, Ohio Valley wrestling. Was that something that was on your radar when you were the deviant? And like, is this the is this the gen the the trajectory that I go through? Yeah, definitely. I'm glad you asked because like a lot of people have different perspectives and journeys, and now kind of like I'm in a mentorship guidance role for a lot of young talent. Uh, a lot of people have different ways into the industry where they want it like if i sacrifice enough or if i take all these like you know bookings and travel everywhere for no money like a lot of these people relegate themselves to that while they're not living a real life and being able to support themselves why i bring that up is because ovw was always on my radar which is actually in kentucky it is ohio valley wrestling but it's in louisville kentucky but i knew my path to where i wanted to go was through a developmental system so I would I would wrestle independently, but on the same time, hey, you want to go to Paducah, Iowa for four bucks and you get to work, you know, a 50 year vet who's never left the town <laughs> or I could do what I do. And now I'm serving tables and bartending where I'm making, you know, hundreds of dollars a night. I'd rather put that into the coffers to eventually take myself to the next level in a place I needed to be. So my evolution was always going to go through a developmental system. And then even though I trained on the independence in Cleveland, I knew I needed more. I knew I needed the best. OVW is one of the best. This always gets an interesting answer. Um, had wrestling not come along for you, what would it have been? Fireman, probably. Yeah. It's funny because I have a super high IQ and I should, I didn't realize it till a week ago. <laughs> How did you find out? Uh, I just... When I did a podcast with Kurt Angle, the Kurt Angle show, and he's like, I go off the air and Kurt's like, I think EC3 is one of the smartest wrestlers I've ever met. I'm like, you know what, Kurt, you're right. No, <laughs> when I apply myself to knowledge and things like that, I wish I realized this when I was younger because, you know, when we're young, we're dumb. So I never really applied myself to anything because wrestling is what I wanted to do. So I'd work out and wrestle and I'd not try at school at all and still do pretty well. Um but firefighting was something I was going to school for before I decided to do this full time. And that's just something I, you know, have a lot of respect and honor for prior to even wrestling. I tried to join the Marines because I would probably be a career officer, but uh, I have asthma and they didn't take me, which was weird. I could have, I could have went to a different branch, but that was the one I wanted to. So I was like, you know what? Thank you. So how, how does that work in terms of with what you do? Because obviously what the, the, the task that you've taken upon yourself uh, resting around the world isn't conducive to an asthma sufferer. Oh, but like I condition myself and I train diligently. And even then when I was 18 or 19 trying to go in there, like I'm jogging five miles a day, you know, I just had to work through it. Like, yeah, maybe I need my inhaler sometimes, but like I push through it and it doesn't bother me but the i just i think i think it was a precautionary thing where if i didn't say that i had it i would have been all right and nothing would have like i would have been halfway through camp and they've been like oh you have asthma yeah whatever, whatever. Mm. you mentioned like working through a developmental system like ovw now as you're saying you're now mentoring and you've been you've been part of ovw now uh for a bit which has been uh wonderful to see you involved in that and it gave us one of the 
I'd say one of the biggest wrestling returns uh, in a long time, which was the return of Dixie Carter the other week. That was a pleasant surprise. See you guys back together. How did that come together, getting Dixie Carter on OV-Dub, getting anti-Dixie on? I'm, I'm close with Al Snow. He's a guy I look to as a mentor, and especially when I realize I'm becoming in this role. Yeah, I'm still a world champion. I'm in my prime, but that's going to end, maybe. Depending on modern medicine, we'll see how long it can go. But having said that, like I need to learn this aspect of the business. So that's kind of what started the OVW relationship for me. Plus, they're on TV. Plus, I thought it'd be good if I'm on two TV shows a week. Granted, they're not, you know, on major networks, but that just helps the brand. Helps this. The creative's a lot of fun. Like I have a lot of fun with the creative. And then obviously there's the Ad D parlay. And Al and I kind of phone tag teamed her and kind of like you know kept bringing it to her attention and maybe if you want to do this it would help us out she's always down to help out we're probably myself as a talent one of the only guys she'd go out of her way for al she has a lot of respect for so just talking to her coaching her through it (laughs) but then it became she's a perfectionist for performance where a very simple all just have fun with it became i don't think it's good enough oh my hair doesn't look right oh this this isn't Aunt D, it's perfect. It's wonderful. I don't know. I don't know. We shouldn't air it. It's going on. Like, <laughs> I love how you trained her to be such a perfectionist, though. Unreal, right? I'm like, she's had, you know, I just wanted her to have fun with it. And I think that's what's missing in wrestling. We, a lot of talents, performers get so used to screwed, being scrutinized or berated. Like, let that shit go and just have fun. When you have fun, like, there's nothing that can stop you. And then don't read what people say or do and don't care what they say because nobody who's ever said anything bad about somebody online has ever done more than the person who they're criticizing online. So it's who cares. But then she nailed it. And then to be to be continued. Oh, nice. Do you want to do you uh, are you a fan of those degrees of separation, sir? Like awesome. when, so because uh, because I love this. So so Cultaholic were based in Newcastle upon Tyne, which is at the top of the country. Don't know whether you visited the northeast of England. It's very cold and very silly up here. Um, uh, up here there are there's there's two TV show hosts in the UK who are household names. Uh, they're Ant McPartland and Declan Donnelly. They're Ant and Dec. And there was a show recently where Declan Donnelly looked up his family heritage and found out through a, a, a distant uncle he was related to Dixie Carter. Oh, him too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I was watching in disbelief. Who do you think you are when Declan Donnelly walks into a cafe and is t- chatting to Dixie Carter? <laughs> like this is two worlds colliding. So, congratulations to EC3, who also happens to be part Geordie as a result of this. There's a deep connection there. So, we have to hook up because we are <clears throat> blood, right? I'll tell I, you. It was a- it was really strange for me, you know, being fired from the WWE in 2013, this curly-haired idiot named Derek Bateman. I did the same thing. I looked up my family tree, and lo and behold, Dixie Carter's my aunt. <laughs> what Boy, are the chances what? of that happening? Pretty good. <laughs> hey, let's do your second match. Austin Rock, WrestleMania X7 was your first one. So what would you like your second one to be? So I want to go back to classics. Like I want to say Steamboat Flair at the Shy Town Rumble. You know, there's so many, like, like I want to say Sean and Brett with the Iron Man match. You know, I almost want to say Taker's um, Brett at that SummerSlam with the chair and Sean. But 
Yeah, man, let's go. Uh, let's do Angle and Benoit at the Royal Rumble. Oh, 03. That's the. That was. It came off the back of a match between Triple H and Scott Steiner. Kind of shit the bed. Mm, yeah, I was. I was gonna. I was gonna politely say it didn't quite go as hoped. But no. if you say shit the bed, then that's what we will say. Um, I'm sure Triple H has seen some of my stuff and go, man, he just shit the bed. So, <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, what a legacy! And he's on top of. He's always been like he's one of the best of all time. So, not everything goes according to plan. There was, just, you know. Yeah, exactly. It just didn't click. And, you know, that's too bad because, like, I was pretty enthused to see the two jacked freaks. Like, I'm a, I'm into this. And then, you know, Scott was, like, injured at the time, too. And, like, Scott was a phenomenal worker. It just, but that match didn't click. And then the crowd in Boston kind of turned against it, right? And so Benoit and Angle had that uphill. This is why I like it so much. They had such an uphill battle to climb to get the crowd back. And I think if you watch the first five to ten minutes, it's silent. Like, they're not into it at all. But they're into it. I think here's another thing talent need to realize is just because there's not a bunch of noise doesn't mean people aren't paying attention and watching. So you don't need to work for reactions all the time. You just need to focus on telling your story and delivering, you know, physically like physicality with purpose, I like to call it. And then you'll get them back. And obviously with that match, it's a, it's a, it's a phenomenal bit of business. Like the, the pace they go at, is there a moment from that match that when we talk about it, it kind of plays back in your mind's eye? <laughs> the first one's but the three, three fourths across the ring, Benoit headbutt, but like beforehand when he'd do like the, eh, and then sometimes he'd fake blow this, like he literally, because it'd be going so hard, blew the snot, it's just fucking gross. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Kurt, who's a cyborg, right, is coming off like, I think he had a meniscus surgery three to four weeks beforehand. And so you need some time to get your win back, even if it's a couple weeks out of the ring. And then there he is, first match back, blowing the roof off the place, just going, going, going. Uh, it's kind of the, the submission reversals, I remember, too. Like, because they told the story, it's like Ryu and Ken. They're very similar, but they're <laughs> way. So it's cool watching guy. And then I like the utilization of their own holds against them and things like that. And I think the finish, clean down the middle. Angle wins, but he upgraded his finish. It took something extra. And I think this when he started doing the leg grapevine, but like a baby face can lose. And here's another thing I like to tell young talents. Somebody goes over, but if you do the match right, the other guy gets over. And then you hear the crowd standing ovation as Benoit's in the middle of the ring. Yeah, he lost, but he won. That's it. And you got to work with with Kurt Angle as part of TNA. And what did you learn about wrestling from Kurt Angle? Even some of the minutia stuff, because he is a machine. Yeah. We talked a lot about it on the podcast. I mean, check it out if you can. It's pretty cool because he is one of my idols. Uh, what I really learned was not being afraid of the moment because like that was my dream match when I was the deviant. Well, what's your dream match? I want to wrestle Kurt Angle for a world title. <laughs> Bullshit. Ain't happening. It fucking did. 
it did and like realizing that manifesting that but then looking you look in eye to eyes with guys sometimes that you idolize and respect and you hold on this pedestal and sometimes it's like holy shit like the first time i was in the ring with sting i'm like holy shit that's sting. what the fuck what am i doing here <laughs> then when i'm looking at kurt him building me up prior like i'm looking at him and i'm like now i belong here this is where i need to be since you left WWE, uh, you've you have kept busy with with uh, numerous projects. Lots of people have talked about the one thing I notice, and and I and I say this with love. I there seems to be there seems to be a bit more of an inner peace about you now than there was a few years ago. And I'm yeah. basing it on when I've listened to interviews that you've done. So I can't base it on first-hand knowledge of anything that we've spoke about. So please forgive me if I speak out of turn. Um, but there seems to be an inner peace with you. There seems you seem to be a bit more comfortable in your own skin maybe is, is that the case do you feel like compared to like we go back to sort of post pandemic and you were launching control your narrative there was uh whilst it was it was bristling with 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 new ideas for wrestling there was certainly an edge there it felt like yeah i'm first off you're not speaking out of turn what i enjoy talking to you guys about and your fan base uk fans in general is they have a deep perspective for wrestling where sometimes when you're dealing with wrestling fans stateside, it's very one dimensional. So did you ever meet Vince McMahon? Yeah. I felt like who gives a shit, right? So like we're having a real conversation and I would say there probably is an inner peace. I've accomplished something. I'm where I wanted to be. I'll get like these critiques online. Like, so do you control your narrative or what? And I'm like, well, I'm a world heavyweight champion. Um, thriving i'm in a great position i'm super happy i'm sexually fulfilled like you know i'm super jacked and i'm super handsome so yeah i did is that an insult you know the cyn had a steaming amount of controversy so i think that passed i'm on defense the whole time defending the idea what is the idea to create a platform for young talent or talent they want to reinvent themselves and tell their story that was the idea. What did it become? Some sort of horseshit lie fest, like cancellation, like what it went through. And I'm like, how did it get like this sort of lies on the internet spreading and people being unable to look, research, or see any truth to it? When you try to change a game, people do lash out. Not changing the game where we're making wrestling, I don't know, stupid or paranormal but changing the game where wouldn't it be cool if the camera was in the ring and we get unique shots of facials and that helps tell the story wouldn't it be cool if we're going to be locked down that we still provide some sort of entertainment within the physicality and art of wrestling because we can't have fans in there you know so it was like it was a little heavy and it was kind of like a lashing out at the world but the world was like I go with what culture is doing. Where is culture going? Like people had a lot of questions. Pandemic changed people, changed me, changed who I was, changes everybody. So the evolution of EC3 to the essential character in CYN, it's this these are the circumstances of what the world has provided. What would it do to somebody? What would it do to a spoiled rich kid who is super successful? who went somewhere else to be super successful, fuck, it, it blew. It was the worst experience ever to then before he could even get a shot to do it, 
being fired because of a pandemic that's changing the world, the dude would change, right? So that was kind of like where this story is going. And CYN, as a platform, I want to tell a story. That's mine. What's Weston Blake's story? You know, what's Vinny Pacifico's story? Who are these guys and why are they there? That was the idea of it. So I would say the inner pieces, though, that like, <laughs> I won. I'm justified. And if you thought I thought anything, it turned out I, I, it was probably true. Um, when you've talked about the the end of of, of CYN, you've cited a number of reasons um, for it not working out. Um, you you spoke about misinformation from the internet, and there was a lot of that going around. There was there was a lot of conversations about, as you say, because it was trying so many new things. I'll actually I'll lean in like this: How much of what you think CYN was was you reacting to the culture or was it sort of a cathartic experience for you and where you were at the time it was cathartic no you're right it was probably a cathartic experience for me because personally there was a lot going on and you know you can't like do people really care about my relationship status or my thoughts on I don't know, like my friends and, you know, people that are liars and backstabbers or people, here's what I really hate, people that want to do something, say they're going to do it and don't do it. And you depend on them because they said they're going to do it. And if they don't do it, then things fall apart. So like those realizations, it was definitely cathartic. I'm glad you mentioned that in a way. Yeah, because you, you, you sort of cite sort of misinformation and people not living up to their end of the bargain <clears throat> well, with, with the end of CYN. And then CYN never ended. The thing was, too, and this is my fault, like CYN was never a promotion. I didn't want it to be a promotion with Chan. I'm the control your narrative champion. That sounds idiotic. But when, you know, high name talent becomes involved, then there's, you know, television people, there's agents involved, there's tours coming. It's like, well, shit. I don't think this is what this is, but, and it doesn't feel right. But I have to take the opportunity because what if it is? What if we do create a fifth tier brand that does employ people and people are making money in production and, you know, travel and people are making production rest or money wrestling? Like that makes me a, a creator for opportunities for so many other people that if it went the right way, that was the idea. But the idea is that for it to not be a promotion, it's an ideal and a mindset. Control your narrative simply is telling your story. And I think every human can resonate that. Dude, they said I was sponsored by the MyPillow guy. What the fuck? <laughs> he was, this, was a, this was something that, and it comes down to the idea that if people have decided you are something, then all that will happen is everything that comes out will just, will, will, will lean towards that. And I remember yeah. this because you made the thing said, "Oh yeah, we're, we're sponsored by by my pillow or body pillow," and it was it, it was a, a pastiche of what was happening with the Trump administration. And everybody took that sans context on face value, and be, because of the stuff that had already been put out there about CYN, it fitted. Ironically, it was a narrative that others were controlling about <laughs> CYN. But then, too, like, well said. At the end of the day did it end or has it evolved into what I have going now where the ideas and the placement, my ability to evaluate and, you know, not inspire, but yeah, maybe inspire or help create or help guide talent to where now Exodus 
is the the first territorial outreach of the new NWA. We're like NWA Exodus, where now I have that opportunity. I don't want to say we're developmental for the NWA, but we might be a thing like that, where up and coming talents have this place to work and they have this place to make money and they have this place to be seen and exposed and the world gets to see who they are. And holy shit, they get to tell their story. And they get to do it in a way that's creative and not confined to 15 writers passing them a white piece of paper with words they would never even say, playing characters. They're not. They are not. Wrestlers are not actors. Like, wrestlers are reactors, is the way I look at it. So if we were actors, people would fall down for us and we'd make $20 million in beyond zip lines and, you know, movie posters, right? Uh, one of the things I was going to ask you sort of off the back of this before we move on to other things, and I thank you for your, your, your honesty talking about it. Um, I was going to ask you if you had your time again uh, at the beginning of CYN, how would you approach it differently? But I genuinely think that we're kind of going to see that with NWA Exodus Pro. Yeah, I think so. Because, like, I'm not – one thing I don't like is, like, people that em- embrace failure to an extent – where they say, well, you have to fail to succeed, but then they don't keep going. Like, so one of my, you know, theories is that if you're, if you're making it, something fails or you make a mistake, but you truly believe in it, you cannot play it safe. You have to go even harder and you have to go even further. Or then if you play it safe, you're complacent, it's easy. And then, okay, we're just an indie, cool, whatever. But if I would change anything, You can't. Why? Why would I change anything? Because it got me to where I wanted to be. And that's here. Short of the fact that I wish people saw for what it was, as opposed to what they thought it was, because the world was so divisive and political. I wish people can look to art as that and not look to art as something that is just another thing that is propaganda, mainstream poisoning, divisive on purpose, because that was not the intent. 
the proof of why he wouldn't change anything. The NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. Uh, how did you and Billy Corgan first get together to start this start this ball rolling? Billy was part of Impact, so he was brought on kind of in a creative consult role when he was starting to produce segments and things like that. And just because we're both weirdos and we're both really creative and kind of out there, like we 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 kicked it off pretty good. Um, what I notice about guys like William or any top level guy like a Cena, these guys, like they're so surrounded by ass kissers and people that want something that if you just treat them like the human beings they are, they take to you because dude, I'm friends with one of the most famous rock stars of all time has nothing to do with his success. It has everything to do with like minds and like purposes and the pursuit of something, you know, great. So that's how we got kicked off. And then when impact kind of went through the game of Thrones scenario where everyone was like backstabbing each other for ownership and things like that, he was in the running and was in the running, you know, Anthem was in the running. There's another company in the running and like, I'm at the top of the, the deal there. And I'm trying to navigate, like at least keeping the locker room. Like we can't worry about these things because it'll deter our performance. The only thing we can do is perform to the best of our abilities and let the chips fall where they may. So I think he got a raw deal there when NWA started with the 10 pounds of gold. And we were in talks to be one of the features of that. But at the same time, I made the choice to go back to WWE because I had what I thought in my mind was unfinished business and he respected that. And in theory, again, wasn't the wrong decision because full circle, we're here. When you do, we we haven't delved into it, and, and there's you've said a lot about it. There was one particular video that does the rounds from your your last run in WWE because Lord knows we didn't see you on telly more than we should have done. We really should, but there's one video that does the rounds, and it's your entrance, and it's a and it's a you must the split screen one where you where it's sort of your early match where you you you're doing it with great enthusiasm, and then there's there's a, there's one underneath it where. It's it's like it, it's it's like you've been told to do your to do your taxes for the year. Like you just look like you just you don't want to be there. You don't want to do it. When you see something like that, can you is is what the 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 visual message there is that true? Yeah, hundred percent. Like it's the same thing with people where I had the red cup. Like mm. man, all I did was give you a red cup. They didn't give me a red cup. I just <laughs> what would I do in this situation? I'm miserable. I'm at a stupid party in a backstage thing. I should be on the top of the card. I'm in this dumb segment. I would be getting hammered. <laughs> like that's what I would, so red cup kind of gets noticed. Then next thing you know, we're chasing that stupid title around. Why wouldn't I have the red cup? Like I can just picture if you knew who I was or the character and you followed his journey, those are just little Easter eggs. We're like, man, this guy was on top of the world. Now he's <laughs> hammered, hates his life. So the same thing with the entrance. They say art imitates life, but then sometimes you make life imitate your art. I was not a happy person. I'm. This is stupid. This sucks. This is the fifth time I wrestle No Way Jose on main event. It doesn't matter. But the problem is, make the dumb turn, no enthusiasm. Nothing matters because when you're in this company, you are so controlled that nothing matters. There's no context. There's no purpose. There's no continuity. Things change on a fly because nobody knows what's going on. And we're all at the beck and call of one man and his mood of the day. So whatever, pay me my six figures. I'll lose. Don't give a shit. 
the red cup thing that was your idea did anybody go did anybody in sort of creative departments go why is he carrying a red cup with you like i think towards the end they kind of got that i was pissing on him and they bring a red cup yeah sure but like sometimes those segments were so not given a f about that i can get away with it but that was the, th- the same thing that got me in trouble with NXT season four, where you guys are making fun of us. I'm not going to stand here and just let you laugh at me. I'm at least going to let these people laugh with me. So in NXT season four, we know it's on the internet. We know they don't care. The production meeting's two minutes long. They don't give it. Let them do whatever. I mean, that's the idea behind like Daniel Bryan and Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I. In these segments, we kind of turn on their heads because we just played their game our way and it turned out to be entertaining television and then people are watching and people are noticing and the numbers are going up on views but then we're being punished on me because we're not doing things their way and it's it's just a stupid cycle of like demented again sociopaths but you find yourself now in a position where you you are far more uh, leading the direction of where you're going than you ever have. And we're, we're seeing some really creative flares for you. I want to ask, um, obviously, with the new belt comes a new a new swagger. I've got to ask about the Roman Gladiator stuff because yeah. that's uh, it's 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 a it's like a bright new day. It's a bright new look. What inspired it? Uh, the overman, I guess, could be inspired by sort of like meta lifestyles that are going around because like I do, I love the sun. And I think, you know, the the earth provides everything you need to heal and weird things. And wow, Jim and bro science is often more right than real science. And these things that kind of facilitate online, but then it's a lot like a deep philosophy, like, like Carl Jung and the shadow self and Nietzsche. And the Nietzsche was the Ubermensch is the overman and things like that, where you're just finding these, the ideas to be completely, you know, self-reliant self-accountable self-independent but at the same time like does this guy think he's superman does this guy think he's superman but he's actually you know kind of homelander because he's like really just nuts so that would be it the cape i was just like nobody has a cool cape anymore so (laughs) rome sparta like wait till you see the sweet charlotte upgrade i make as far as that but it's not EC3. I'm now on I'm now a Spartan gladiator. No, it's like an homage to warrior lifestyle and sort of that Sigma male mindset. You you tease there an upgrade to, to Sweet Charlotte. I'm gonna get you so much shit for it. Oh no. Can you can you drop any hints of what it's gonna look like? Or yeah, what it's gonna, gonna do? Definitely homage to classic. I'm not I'm not trying to ruin what made this thing so special. But I think these side plates need an upgrade. Sure. Japan, Mexico, Canada, UK. Love them. Great countries. But, you know, what about empires of the past? Who are the greatest leaders of history? Like, that's kind of what EC3 and an overman sees himself as. Like, a Caesar, perhaps, or an Alexander, the Leonidas, a Jesus. Like... (laughs) That that's where I see the side plates kind of going, and then as far as what Exodus is doing, when we have the uh, NWA Midwest Heavyweight Championship, which will be sanctioned by the NWA, the design William, myself, and his great uh, designer came up with is I think the coolest belt that will be around. 
but I want this to kind of replicate what, what's going on with that. This will remain the same. My touching yeah. Um, besides yourself, obviously, who to you personifies ten pounds of gold? Old school style? Yeah. When you look, because there's, there's certain belts that you see and you go, I envision the belt around that person's waist or over that person's shoulder. To to you, who is that person? It's Flair, for sure. Yeah. Flair's the guy. That's the one. With Flair's doing a, a Woo Energy tour, signing autographs, and I get an update on my phone. Hey, meet Rick Flair today. Am I, <laughs> am I here? And I'm like, well, all right. So I hit him up. I'm like, hey, man, you mind if I come by, snap some pictures, try some energy drink, get a shot with the title? Yeah, yeah, come on by, buddy. And then so like he says this long line, and then here I come strutting in, and people are like, oh. And then, you know, I hang out with Flair for a second, do the shot, but I think he personifies it. That's nice, that. Would you, Flair keeps talking about one more match. I think yeah. he will forever. I Did would that... let Yeah, I discussed this briefly with uh, the Sports Kedia podcast. If it's with Ricky Morton, I would love to see it. Like, I don't want anyone to get hurt, but dude, I think they can go out there and utilize what makes wrestling great without all the, you know, the unnecessary hits or bumps or neck bumps or, you know, strike exchanges. And they can tell this story at 65 to 70 years old on what, what wrestling really is. And then just be a testament that people can look upon and see, Oh, I, if I do, if I can do that cool stuff, but if I use these moments to bring that to make it have more meaning, then I'm really sitting on a gold mine, as opposed to ad nauseum. Bing, 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 bing. Next, bing, 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 bing. Next. It's creating the moments as you go. One moment that's coming up. It's Sawin. It's at the end of October. You and Tom Latimer in the main event. Yeah, Tom, yeah. Go Talk ahead. us through it. I came, the reason I started with NWA too was like there was an idea to work with somebody and I kind of was like, I'm looking at the, I've known Tom for so long and granted, you know, the issues that have plagued him and the things, he's in a good place. He's happy now. He's cleared those demons. But I'm like, this guy deserves to be known as one of the great wrestlers currently because he is he's better than a lot of people you think are great he's fantastic so what can i do to maybe bring him up to that level was the initial idea but then working with him you know it only made me better the next thing you know i'm kind of becoming the nwa the next thing you know i am the nwa i become the champion and now he's a challenger for the title like where i kind of usurped him this should be his destiny, but it turned out to be mine. I, you know, just bringing him up to that level and hopefully on a pay-per-view main event stage with some attention, people can look past everything they think they know about wrestling and see that Tom Latimer is one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. And that EC3 is just slightly better. <laughs> That's the one. That was the bit. That was the bit. Um, we we're going to get to your third and final match. Before we do, I always like to spring this on people. It's a non-wrestling one, and it's not bad, I promise. Uh, as well as taking three matches, uh, you're also allowed to take with you a movie, an album, and a luxury item. So when I ask, when I say to you, you can take a movie with you, what's the movie that comes to mind? Braveheart was easily. Braveheart, um, 
album. Alpha Dodger. <laughs> Go on now. <laughs> I mean, part of me wants to say Injustice for All from Metallica. Part of me wants, I mean, I wish it wasn't just an album because I've had this question in car rides, but it was discog- discography. <laughs> so then when you're narrowing down albums, like there's like, I, I don't know which Kanye I pick, but like Kanye, I think changes the game and i think he's so he's a weird guy and he says dumb shit but his like he, that's because he thinks differently than everybody and that's what makes his music so interesting to me i might if i have braveheart i might take i might take the best of hans zimmer as my album <laughs> nice of musical scores that's a good shout um a luxury item so it can be something with sentimental value it can be a bit of tech maybe it can be something that brings you a bit of inner peace it could be something that you can entertain yourself with while you're on the island it could be whatever you'd like it to be i'd have to take a kindle loaded up with books because i think that's the only thing that can sustain interest take tv like you know or if you take a phone you're still connected if i'm on an island and i'm just like i don't know want to know what's going on mm. like i'd rather be well i'll become the most complete effing uh knowledgeable human that i possibly can with this this stupid device full of the world's knowledge that's pretty what's the last book you 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 read and just in, engulfed yourself in uh, it's, an, it's just i'm in the middle of it it's a giant napoleon uh book book about napoleon so you know i didn't get to waterloo yet so you guys can't celebrate <laughs> oh sorry we'll say nothing until then we have a weird we, we, we have this wonderful fascination with with dictators of the past and things like that is a podcast i listen to called real dictators which is yeah. just the stories of these incredible people um and and it's funny because you talked about it earlier you talked about it being uh, you know in, in sort of creating the overman it's that that passion for the leaders and, and and conquering and things like that and so do you think that that reading and reading a reading the, the book on napoleon and numerous other things that's a big part of crafting who you are today surely yeah i think too like i said i wish i utilized my brain earlier in life to like assimilate knowledge so like i get a lot out of that and like the next book I have is on Teddy Roosevelt and like, is Napoleon a dictator though? Or is he an emperor? Like he didn't seem, you know, like, I guess we can go either way, but like, yeah, maybe it's not the, the, the good, the ones that seem just, or they believe they're just like the quest for something more in greater purpose. And like, you know, dictators more seem like evil or emperors or great leaders maybe there's evil to them because you have mm-hmm. to you know some cruelty to become something so you know successful or dominant but i don't know it's it's mindset things too really like what makes these people do these things because it's a seemingly impossible task leadership is something i think we lack in culture now too where i'm not saying these guys i'll read about are the leaders we need but at the same time, what elements of leadership have they utilized or, you know, succeeded with that we can apply to our own lives? A lot of it's like accountability to the self. It's interesting you say that because the one thing you've mentioned in our chat today 
uh, is how like you and Al Snow talk a lot now uh, and you kind of come in and you've sort of taken on a, a a mentor role with OVW. Obviously you and Billy are close as well. You and Billy Corkin and you've crafted something with OV uh, with, with NWA that, you know, with, with, with you and, and us as the, as the centerpiece. Do you see yourself as someone like that, who takes that opportunity to go there, there needs to be some leadership here where there isn't any, and I'm going to be the guy to do it. Yeah. I think that kind of came in the last WWE run. Cause at that time, like, Roman's on top and you know but like he's a guy I came up with too so it's kind of despite how successful he is you know it's never looking up to him as much as respecting him and he's seeing his rise but when I looked around too nobody stood out to me as a leader it seemed very not selfish and it should be it's wrestling you have to look out for yourself but nobody was taking that mantle when I was there in 2013 you know People were watching the entirety of the show. Taker's there, Cena's there, Randy, you know. They're watching the whole show. They'll pull people aside if they see something or they're there for advice. Like John Cena has a 20-minute match and a 15-minute promo beforehand. But like before his music's even playing, he's telling me about some dumb shit I did on NXT. And I'm like, dude, you got to go on. It doesn't matter. I got it. And that confidence, too, is within like seeing people be a leader. So when I'm there the second time, I didn't really see it. And I noticed that we lack it in the industry. It wasn't my place at the time because I'm just a fucking jobber. But when I go over to like Ring of Honor and I put enough time in, like in NWA, I showed up and I, you know, worked hard, did my job when I initially came in until I felt was the right time to kind of start that process too. Because if you walk in day one and you go like, well, listen to me, everybody, no one's going to follow that. They got to see the number one thing about leadership is leading by example. And so by doing that, that's the same thing with CYN. Same thing with OVW. Like I've been in OVW eight months now. We're five months in. It was the first time I'm like, let me address you guys. Here's the things I'm seeing. And then came off really well. So like building up their trust, earning their respect, then you can kind of take that on. Would you say you're a leadership type away from wrestling? I'm sorry? Would you say that you're a sort of a, a leadership type away from wrestling? Yeah, I think I noticed that coming. I mean, I was just giving speeches to school kids about leadership. And I'm like, how did I get here? And it's only because of wrestling and finding that kind of role. But one thing I hate about, quote, leadership is, hey, I'm a leader. Fuck you, man. <laughs> no, you're not. Like, You have to do something. You have to have the body of work or something that... uh resonates with people so they will look to it or at least look up to it and i think what's important about leadership to me is it's not do what i say like here's what i think and i want you to take what i think use it or don't if you use it don't use it how i said it use it how it works in your mind so you can be the leader for yourself Nice. Now we'll get to your third and final match. Uh, (laughs) We went off on quite the tangent, but we always find our way back. Uh, Rock Austin is in the mix uh, as part of your three matches. Angle and Benoit from Rumble 2003. What's your third and final match then, sir? This is like, I feel bad because it seems it's end of attitude era up until more modern times. Because I want to go back into the archives, 
but I, I think I want to go with Punk and Cena at Money in the Bank. Ah, okay. So why did this one just just beat out some of the more classic stuff for you then? I think this one, I think just the story told, the, the circumstances for it, the fact nobody knew what was going to happen. And it's so rare to get that. Like maybe John did and Punk did and The Office and they came to their terms. But in the it's so rare in the modern time where no, you don't know what's going to happen. And so you're like, and everything, you know, meant something. What I really like about that too is like, sometimes when you're wrestling, everything clicks. Like everything's easy. You're just, you're in a flow state. But sometimes you can't get to the flow state right off the bat. And I think in the beginning of that match, there was some wonky stuff, you know, like where it wasn't, it wasn't clicking until it clicked. And then the story took it to the next level. I think the finish, I think John gets a lot of flack for not putting people over when he waits for them to be ready more so, or just because this guy's kind of getting over a win over me doesn't make him over. Like there has to be more and depth to it. We're almost where if this person loses, but then comes back around with something slightly different and then beats me, now they're over. So I think that's one thing wrestling fans kind of have in their mindset. Putting a guy over means he wins, he gets over. Not all the time. Sometimes it has to be built the right way. And sometimes they have to take a step back to get there. But in hindsight, the cleanest job, the top babyface, the only draw, like the moneymaker could do, he did in that match. Like there was no outside interference, sort of like one stupid John Laurinaitis run around the ring spot. But that was like, well, we got to protect him somewhat. So it's forgivable. I think it was just great business. And uh, I was there live. So the crowd, like watching that on the floor and you're just feeling it. Man, it's like you want those moments. Uh, when that match was, when, when that all happened, when the CM Punk stuff was happening, you were you were part of WWE at that point. You were, uh, you were, you know, t- towing the water at NXT. You'd had a few dark matches on SmackDown as well. What was the, the vibe behind the scenes with the with with the locker room with what was happening because it was to us watching at home the it blew up the fourth wall it was it was so revolutionary at the time to have the promos that punk was cutting in the build-up to this what was the vibe backstage as, as cm punk and john cena were almost transcending the industry here i think part of the vibe was you know punk had or maybe he does have this reputation where he's a little like you know loose cannon or a little hot-headed or he's getting like you know where i think that's a it's an act to like a great worker is going to work everybody to some extent where you thought that like oh he's just gonna go out there and like you know he's gonna have a good match but he's gonna you know do do whatever lose and it's gonna be over the place is gonna riot but then he goes over and you're like oh and he dips out like with the picture and things like that I think the backstage was like, well, this is it. And then, you know, probably be back in six months as opposed to he wins. And now we don't know what's going to happen. And I'm like, well, I can't wait to get to TV tomorrow to see what this happens next. And that's like a rare time where you're in, in the company where you're like, man, I can't wait to see what happens next. Uh, You know, tomorrow when I get there at two o'clock for call time, like that's cool. One other time I felt that too was after the WrestleMania with uh, Cena and Rock. 
and we heard rumors of like something was going to happen big and that it was the the Brock return and they're like man I can't wait to see what happens like it's like is it it can't be you were looking around backstage where's he hiding there was a secret room <laughs> so like you know rarely as a ta- like those are what you want to do in this business is you still want to feel that love and passion and that excitement for the product you're creating and I think that's what's missing a lot today too because it's just kind of complacent and the same where yeah we'll tune in and we'll watch and it'll be good and we'll gif it and cool he jumped off that and cool he had this good match but like rarely like man what's next i think what's nice is that you say with a lot of times it's missing i feel like you found it again i feel like in in watching what you've been doing over the past few months i feel like that as as i've as i've mentioned you i feel like you're you're putting out such a creative energy and and it leads us to next weekend nwa sowing nwa's most violent pay-per-view ever and i know yes my match is now no limits but like you mentioned the creativity these are (sighs) cash or creative right and wrestling is what we're told you can pick one or the other but like when it's done right they're both available but like so leading into the match with tom We've told a year-long story, and it's kind of like, did we plan on it? No, but we kind of found ourselves in these positions where we can keep escalating it. And then even the thing we did with Exodus, where he comes in and he whips my ass and he beats me with a chair. We're going to Win, the most hardcore pay-per-view. So there's going to be a, you know, a tables match. There's going to be a gimmick match. There's probably going to be all sorts of weaponry and gizmos and gadgets. So I'm like looking at us. We're sitting on the top of the card. We got a great emotional tale. Our matches no limits, but like we can't go out there and just hit each other with things. That's stupid. So the ability, and I think it aired on power this week, to cut a promo making we don't need that. The only thing we need is what started this, and that's professional wrestling's oldest weapon. Like I did the promo, I did a promo on a steel chair, equating it to a sword, you know, because I just picture two men dueling it out, you know, Achilles and Hector kind of shit. So telling that story, that created that creativity makes me thrive. Does it resonate with the masses? I don't know, but I'm happy doing it and putting context behind what we do because with context and storytelling, it makes everything that hurts feel good. We wanted people to check out NWA Sawain next weekend. Uh, if people are checking it out for the first time or maybe for the first time in a while, what can people expect from the evening? I think, you know, you can see a great foundation bill for the future. I think you can see that there's a great deal of passion from, you know, top people. I can see that uh, the complacent wrestling tropes, while they still exist and will still have some, people are brave enough and have the courage to kind of get away from them and try to bring back, like, what made us love this, which I do think is characters, stories, and physicality with purpose, where I'm not saying what I see today isn't super impressive. I'm just saying everything that's so cool and so impressive that's done in wrestling today, if we put just some thought behind it, we can make it so special. NWATix.com to be part of NWA Sowin. Where can people keep up with everything EC3 is up to? Yeah, at the real EC3 on the social handles. If anybody knows how to get a hold of somebody from Facebook, I've been locked out for eight months. I'd love to get that back. Oh, God. 
Uh, I'm starting a Substack actually, so maybe your audience would be interested in that. And I think okay. it's at Overman three lowercase eyes. I don't know if I need to change it. It's too confusing, but all the links on my Instagram. But yeah, I started writing some things. I wrote like a book for up and coming professional wrestlers and aspiring wrestlers about all this crazy shit I'm talking about. But then I'm like, I think fans would have a great interest in this too. Like it's it's Google Docs on my computer right now. It's not anywhere. But then the debate is how do I bring that to people without breaking kayfabe i guess but it doesn't really i don't know so it might be lifestyle whatever so i wrote a lot and then you know i'm gonna start putting that up there and see if people like it they don't whatever i don't care makes me happy <laughs> he's part sparta he's part leader he's part writer he's also part geordie and he is 100 percent the nwa world's heavyweight champion ec3 thank you for joining us on cultaholic island thank you take care hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.